Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I get the question all the time, Conrad, I know you help people save money and you help people refinance, but could you actually help me buy a house? Yeah, buddy. Come on now. Buywithconrad.com is your hookup. And let me give you a heads up. You don't need a huge down payment to buy a house in 2022. In fact, you may not need a down payment at all. There are still loan programs out there that can get you out of your apartment and into a brand new house with no money down. And I know it sounds too good to be true, but buddy, we're doing it pretty routinely. And you don't have to be a veteran, but yeah, we can still help our veterans get into a house with no money down. But more importantly, we're going to help you get on the path to buy a house this year. You see, a lot of times we have these conversations and folks say, well, I've got a little bit of time left on my lease, or I'm not sure exactly when I'll be ready, or how much of a down payment do I need to save up? My advice, don't get ahead of yourself. Let's start the pre-approval process. Let's know what your new house payment could look like. You'll tell us how much down payments you want to have. Maybe the answer is zero. That's cool. And then you'll tell us what you want your monthly payment to be. And then you go shopping for your dream home. But step one starts at buywithconrad.com. And hey, did you know that when you go to file your taxes as a homeowner, you're going to get a statement back from your mortgage company that's going to say, hey, you can write off this amount of interest this year. How much of your rent are you writing off this year? None of it. Oh, and by the way, what's your interest rate on your rent? Well, that would be 100%, pal. You know you can do better than 100% interest. That's what rent is. Stop throwing your money away. And by the way, we can even help you get rid of your current house and get into a better house if you already have a house but you think, you know what, it's time for a new place. We can help you at buywithconrad.com. That's buywithconrad.com, B-U-Y with Conrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And be sure to ask about our green light underwrite. We can actually get your file completely underwritten, and that allows you to negotiate like a cash buyer at buywithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course we couldn't do it without the hall of famer himself, your friend and mine, double J Jeff Jarrett, Jeff, how are you, man? Conrad Thompson. How are we doing? As the South, we say, it feels like I hadn't seen you in a month of Sundays, man. It's been, uh, it's been a big week. You know, you got to go do the spring break thing. I got to do the spring break thing. A lot to unpack here, but first let's just, uh, have a little follow-up. What'd you think of the Sopranos? Because I know you watched it. You told us last week you would, you were going to block off some time. And really we had plenty of time because the beach was a little cold, a little chilly. So 
What'd you think? How many seasons through did you get? Did you get all the one? Did you started into two? Where are we at? What have you seen so far? <sighs> I'm ready for the book report, Mr. Jarrett. You said you oh, would do I, it. I know you're a man of your word. You're not a liar. I mean, you're no, on here every week I, saying I, you're a member of the horseman. Full disclosure, transparency uh, to my world listeners. Usually, if we have a top of the hour, bottom of the hour start time, we log on. Hey, Conrad, how was your week? How's it going? Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Do we need to catch up on any business that we have going on? Do we need to figure out, like, how's this going on? And we've got a lot planned this summer. And I guess we all call all should say, how's Megan? How's Karen? How, you know, just a little small talk. I like to ask about Larry and Deborah and just like, I call it sort of the warm up. you know, just, just, just a little bit of to and fro back and forth. Then you say, all right, partner, you ready to go. And I go, well, I think I am. Well, folks today, it literally, I logged on. I said, Hey, Conrad. He said, Oh, bud, you, you ready to go? I said, Oh, okay. In my mind, there, there's no small talk today. He must have a busy day ahead uh, at the mortgage company and getting back in the routine and all that. But no, now I see he's going right for the jugular. No, it's not the jugular. You just told you gave us your word. You would do something. Conrad, I have had overwhelming, enormous amount of feedback in saying, Hey, Jeff. I never watched the Sopranos either. Well, those are also idiots. You should mute them or block them. Now here's the question for the second or third time so far. I'm, I'm losing track. What did you think? How many episodes deep are you? Because I know you're a man of your word. I know you wouldn't say one thing and do another. I know you're not a heel in real life. So how many episodes did you watch? what did you think? What have you seen Before so far? I answer that Conrad, would you consider your like Sopranos is your favorite show of all time? What is it? It's not my opinion. It, it's just factual. It's the best show ever. Yes. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. That's uh well, guess who's, I guess you could say an enormous connoisseur of television. Who's also in your camp, like very, very strong. Who's that? Karen. And what did Karen think? Karen goes, and she has said this phrase many, many times, because, you know, BS, this would come up often. Um, hey, Jeff, don't you remember? And I go, uh, no, I don't. She goes, you can remember 1995 Royal Rumble mania starting TNA and all this, but you don't remember this? And I go, oh, boy, what is it? She goes, I tried to get you to watch Sopranos. Mm. And you didn't watch it. And I go. Oh yeah. All right. So, and I told her the story about the podcast and I said, Conrad has laid it on me. I've got to watch five episodes on spring break. She said, well, great. I'd love to watch it again. It may be my, at the time that it was out, it may be that she saw a uh, Gandolfini at a, uh, at a parade years ago. She's a huge soprano fan. Conrad, can I just can I just, can I just tell you that I already know what happened? I've got spies. You know, I got I got people all over the country who who, who tell me what's going on with Double J. Okay, so I know you're full of shit and you didn't watch the show. I know you started it. I know you didn't finish it, and I know what you watched instead. And I'm here to out the dirty laundry. 
True or false. Yeah. You didn't watch all five episodes of the Sopranos you were assigned to do. And you agreed to do true or false. Oh God. It's just simple. So one word answer, Mr. Jarrett, true or false. False. Also my bad. Did I watch it? No, Conrad. I had, I went to spend family time. And oh, I really? Oh, really? So family time is watching desperate housewives instead. That's family time. I didn't watch desperate housewives on spring break. Yeah. Are you really going to sit here and look in this camera where the world can see you and lie and say you didn't watch Desperate Housewives instead of Sopranos? Oh my God. If I was to run around and ask the rest of the Jarrett's running around Hendersonville, Hey, (laughs) did y'all watch more Desperate Housewives or Sopranos this past week at the beach? What would they say? I hate you. How about, did you know that I had spies in your house? Did you know that? Conrad. We, this is Monday that look, we're really getting off on the wrong foot. No, this is you're, the right foot. You, you too much. You, Did you ever watch desperate housewives? No, I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> Overgrown. You might even say, hell no. I didn't watch that. Now here's what I did watch. I did watch over the weekend, your Twitter feed blow up because you were part of a, uh, a big parade there for the baseball gimmick you're doing in Springfield. Shout out yep. to all those folks. It was a wonderful time that night. You got to, uh, grace the WWE ring again, mix it up a little bit with the Miz and First I'll be, da- ring with Miz. I'll be damned. The, the world of Jeff Jarrett never stops as you and I are recording this last night. I ordered the pay-per-view on fight. I couldn't make it up. I had a house full of guests. I thought maybe they'd want to make a road trip, but maybe we stayed up a little too late on Saturday night. I don't know. I believe so. I got a couple of voicemails. That's for another story. Point being. <laughs> you screwed Nick Aldis out of the world title last night. I mean, he had, he had Matt Cardona whooped. He had him tapping and you're over here. Just, I don't know, fidgeting around with your crotch, thinking about desperate housewives or something. I don't know what was going on, but I know that I thought Nick Aldis was the world champ. And you said, nay, nay. Classic NWA title match is what I said at the very top of the match. And that's what they gave him. From bell to bell, it was classic. And I do mean bell to bell. It was a really good match. It exceeded my expectations. I think uh, we're going to have to have a word with Cardona about the robe thing. He's taken it a little too far, but, <laughs> I, but I enjoyed seeing uh, Chelsea Green and, and, and I enjoyed seeing Camille and Homicide and a lot of good stuff on that show. I think the NWA does a good show, man. Oh, the Briscoes. My, uh, oh, the best. You know, on this podcast, we talk about the one I missed or what happened, what if, and all that. And Monty Brown is always at the top of your list and you want it, but others, I, 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 the point taken, but I tried and tried and tried. It just didn't work out. Uh, recently there's a couple other names, but anyhow, I really look back on that sort of that, I'll call it 2005, six, seven, eight, and, and go back to the conversations I had with Dutch and the Briscoes. We never could contractually. They would always resign Man, they, I would have loved to have had the DNA. And man, in 2022, those boys, them boys tore the house down. I love them. I love their promos. I love their work. And I understand there's some things that other discussions that have to take place, but I'm so excited to see them on that NWA show. They won the Crockett cup. You had David Crockett there. It was a cool moment. Oh, it's so cool. And they're going to be taking on FTR WrestleMania weekend. Speaking of WrestleMania weekend, you and I are going to be there. Supershowlive.com is where to be. You can go ahead and pre-order the pay-per-view and, uh, what do you know? Might get a little collectible in the mail. Who knows? 
but I'll tell you this, Steve Regal microphone telling it just like it is Jeff Hardy with an open mic, a live mic. Come on, Eric Bischoff, Jeff Jarrett, and myself make plans to join us. Tickets are on sale now at supershowlive.com. You can also pre-order the pay-per-view. So if you can't make plans to be in Dallas, the next best thing, go ahead and click that button. Pre-order the pay-per-view at supershowlive.com. But we were supposed to be doing something totally different. I mean, listen, shout out to the NWA, shout out to Springfield baseball, uh, shout out to the Miz. You had a, a busy week. Shout out to them desperate housewives. You know, they need loving too. Exactly. I'm glad you finally come full circle. But this past week, you and I got some news while we were on vacay that we yep. were not expecting. And we decided to make a pivot. So today's show was supposed to be about Lance Russell. And if you're tuning in today and you're disappointed, uh, we're going to, we're going to deliver that show to you next week. We're going to try our very best to do Lance Russell tribute and honor him as much as we can, because what a contributor to, Mm. to, to wrestling in Memphis, but just wrestling uh, in large. But today we're going to pivot and talk about WrestleMania 11 specifically because of the news we got last week, news that we didn't expect that we had lost Scott Hall. And I kind of didn't know how to feel about that because on the one hand, I think everyone listening to this knows that Scott is now finally, and I mean, finally at peace. And that's a good thing, but I can't help, but selfishly think, damn, wish we had more time with him. So I'm, I'm glad that he's finally at peace, but man, I didn't expect it this soon. I didn't expect it this early. And, and I don't know, it feels weird to transition from funny, haha to a serious topic, but this is a guy you knew in real life. Mm. What, what'd you think when you, you saw the news that our friend had had three heart attacks and was in a bad way. I want to make sure I answer. So what did I feel when I heard about the heart attacks? Not so much. Well, heck, um, obviously we've become close. You know, I text you because it was just like, wow. Um, when my father, uh, we had that conversation, he called when Scott fell and went to the hospital to have hip surgery. And my dad said, yeah, we've had a good conversation man, I'd like to get him to come stay with me a couple of weeks. Um, you know, he, he lives by himself. And I, I, I just like, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't optimistic that it was going to happen, but you know, him and my dad had a relationship. Uh, and I didn't realize how close they continued to be through, through, through the years. But anyhow, it, it's still, you know, Scott, it's no secret. He's had his struggles and ups and downs like all of us. Uh, Scott's are, uh, probably a, a little more public or a lot more public than a lot of folks, but, um, you know, death and it's God almighty. Cause all last week and, you know, sitting on the beach or just thinking things through and, um, processing it all. And, and we talked about death, uh, on last week's episode. Um, and you know, uh, there's never, ever a time. Well, I have an experience. You just go, what if, what if, what if, what if, you know, just, and then, you know, my last conversation with Scott, like which, what, what is the last time? And I've racked my brain. When is the last time I saw Scott? When is the last conversation? Um, 
but man, it, it in, in a lot of ways, I just sort of sat through and then I sort of pivoted and started thinking of all the good times and this and that and what he what meant to me over the years. But it's still, as we sit here recording this, you just think, oh, Scott and Kev, uh, they're still running that NWO. They're doing this. They're doing that. And, and our text exchange. And we had little funny sayings go back and forth. And just the camaraderie and, you know, people ask me. I don't know, man. I know I'm rambling here. But no, it's, it, it, it's, it's just so, um, on the one hand, if you back out of that selfishness, you hit the nail on the head. Scott, uh, and we can try to analyze and Lord knows we all do that in our own funky way, but he is at peace. He is no longer dealing with, you can call them demons or, or processing his past or all the, the ups and downs and what went through his head, but those days are over. So, um, Rest easy, buddy. Rest easy. It, it, uh, it sucks. It's still, that's, that's, that's the most simple term. I, I still, it sucks that he's gone. Did you read the, uh, wrestling observer obituary for Scott? I did not. I'm going to send it to you. I think you'll love it. There's so oh, much great stuff in there. There's one thing in particular that just stood out. Like oh, you know, wow. a lot of times guys talk about wrestling IQ and they'll say things like, oh, he had such a great mind for the business and this and that. But something I read in there just jumped off the page. I guess Waltman had talked to Mr. Meltzer and, and he said, you know, there's a lot of smart guys in that car, but he was probably the smartest of us all. And he gave an example that one of the things he would do as a television wrestler back in the days of the quote unquote squash match is not just go out there and run through the guy one move after another but grab a hold and that gave the commentators an opportunity to put you over and not just feel obligated to call the action. Because if you're just doing one move after another, they're trying to describe the action and talk about what's going on. But if you grab a headlock on a guy, well, now they can talk about you. I just thought, man, what wisdom to not want to say, man, let's go give them the best match possible. What wisdom to say, this is where you give those guys their chance to do their job and do right by you. I had never seen that explained anywhere else before. And it just made all the sense in the world. Those things we had heard for years and years that Scott Hall had one hell of a mind for the business. Boy, you ain't kidding. You know, they, uh, stoicism and philosophy, and they talk about the writings and how wisdom is passed down and you can read a book and gain a lifetime of wisdom in a sitting of reading or a couple hours of reading. And, you know, Scott in car rides or at bars or restaurants or airplanes or bus rides, wherever. And you, you think about, um, his mentors and he thought a lot of Kurt Henning and Kurt, obviously grew up in the business. So Larry, the ax and Vern and the generations of whoever it may be, but it's, it's generation passed down to generation passed down. But those little nuances is what you're talking about. Um, I mean, Scott, you know, they, they talk about getting to the, uh, the WWE 
and working that style. I think Scott and Sean taught me more about the nuances of working that style. And I say more than a television product, but the little example you gave right there, it's really how to get over mm-hmm. it, it. It's, 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 and I, God, this sounds, especially this day and age. Oh, it's not a move set and the flippy floppy. I'm not talking about all that, but it's, it's the things that you just pointed out. There's little things, nuances that candidly, not just work today. I, I actually think they work better today because in the nineties, pretty much all talent was schooled. And when they came through the curtain, if it wasn't an agent, it was one of the boys or your opponent or whatever it is. There was some teaching on the spot nowadays, not so much because it's running and gun and it's blue. It's all that kind of stuff. So I think the little nuances that Scott learned from Kurt and Scott taught me and passed down, passed down. I think it works better today, man. I, I, I do want to read that if you don't mind Conrad, because, because Scott's body of work, when you really drill down to it, he came up, I don't say the right way, the wrong way, but man, he came up, learned the business, given the ball and man, did he succeed in a major Crazy. way? I mean, Oh God. Most everybody listening to this considers Shawn Michaels, either one, a, or one B greatest of all time. But Waltman, I mean, he was the measuring stick for a long time. Waltman Michael. would be the guy that they would, that they would stick out there with, with a newcomer. And then when he comes back through the curtain, look at Waltman, like, what do you think? And, and he would either give it a thumbs up or just sort of shrug. Like he ain't got it or he ain't ready yet. That sort of thing. Waltman was the measuring stick, but he said, Sean was better after working with Scott. I was better after working with Scott. Oh, for sure. Jarrett was better after working with Scott. And when you think about basketball, cause I know you're a big basketball fan. There are players who you'll hear guys say in hindsight now, oh, he made everybody around him better. Scott Hall's that guy in pro wrestling. For sure. For, for sure. You know, they talk about Larry legend, Larry bird. He, he, you know, one year they had 60 something wins and the next year he got hurt and was out. And this, uh, panelist said, who do you think the MVP should be of this season? And the commentator said, Larry bird. And they said, Larry bird has missed 60 or 70 games. And he goes, that's my point with Larry everybody's better and they're dominant without Larry remove one member of 12 and they're below 500. And so it, 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 that, that analogy that, that Scott raised everybody's game, um, in so many kind of unique ways, because that's, that's the thing that, you know, I, I'll say this through the years. Sometimes Scott was rough around the edges and delivery to some guys. And maybe he was, I don't say taken the wrong way. Maybe he delivered the wrong way, but whatever. But Scott cared about every match on the card and he'd go to the curtain, watch match two, match three, whatever it is. And he had no problem pulling the guy aside, whoever it was and said, Hey, I watched this, 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 and this that's, that's caring. That's wanting the team to get better. That's checking your ego and say, Hey man, if this guy's better, we're all better. And Scott did that a lot. I mean, a whole lot. He and God, yeah, I can. There's, I mean, there's knowing we were doing this episode. I was thinking on on it's, yeah. There, there's so many little things he taught me on timing. Can you that, give us an example, like just one little random one? I know I'm getting way in the gre in the weeds and granular, whatever we joke about. But 
that example of, Hey man, don't just hit the moves, grab a hold. So the announcers can put you over. God, that just clicked to me. Like, oh man, that makes total sense. But I've never heard that explained before. Uh, is there something like that? Maybe another nugget that he dropped on you that you carried with you for the rest of your career? I, I don't know that he came up. I don't say he came up with this, cause, but but he is the one who impressed upon me, and Sean did. Uh, uh, but but Scott, because I was working with him, uh, you know what a double down. Well, this is yeah. really inside baseball. Yeah, we know what a double down is. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, when, when so if, if, if I'm the heel and there's a baby face and you give him a belly to back suplex and both guys are down, Scott said, I know it goes against the grain, but don't move. Like don't move at all. I'm like that kind of contrary to selling. You sort of still got to have motion because if you lay flat, you're dead. Don't dead sell. You know, they're, they're all, they're, but it's a nuance that when there's a time to be motionless, See how the silence works. I, I gave the example is because then you go, what's next? Yep. Yeah, okay. Well, so if, 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 if Scott and Jeff are laying completely flat in the ring and nobody's moving and the referee's looking, the fans innately emotionally go, oh shit. Okay. And, 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 and the timing of the referee getting to three and four and Earl Hebner, he was Kyoto's good. All of them were good, but, but the referee, it, you talk about uh, conducting an orchestra and it's literally like the conductor. If everybody's flat and Scott's like, I'm telling you, dude, Jeff, the way we have this pace in this match, don't move that kind of nuance. And he impressed upon me. Hey, you move too soon. Don't move on two. move on six tomorrow night. Okay. I'll give it a shot. It worked. It works so good that you go, oh, wow. And I know that I've taught numerous guys. Hey, trust me, we're going to do this spot. And when we go down, I'm telling you, don't move. J just I, I, not a leg, not an ankle, not an arm, not a wrist. Lay flat, dead. Yeah. And the people come. That, that That's, um, yeah, I could, there's a couple. I mean, there, there's an, a, another one, too. We used to do this spot outside. This is back before uh, wireless mics, Conrad. Mm -hmm. So Chimmel would be at ringside or the ring announcer beside, you know, the cord to the mic. And Scott would go over and, uh, you know, we're fighting outside and he would buzz the guy and like, Chimmel, turn your mic on. We don't want whatever. Just it's, it's a hot mic. Be ready. And we're fighting over there. And I would pick it up and hit him on the side of the head with it. And it would make a can't do it with this mic, but I mean a real good sound and the people would, Ooh, but it's one hit. And he said, don't do anything else, Jeff, no punch, no kick roll in the ring and let that last thing they hear is that sound. And he would lie flat outside and I would milk it, milk it, milk it. And then when the referee started the count, he wouldn't move to let the people sink in. This is going to be a flat ass count out. It didn't move that too inside baseball. No, no, I love it. And that's, that's really what we, the audience, I'm, I consider myself the first listener. That's really what we want. And I know it was a little bit of a, a curveball from what we were planning to talk about just WrestleMania 11. But when you said you hadn't read the observer, I wanted to share that story with you because it was so inside baseball that I had never, I'd a never heard it. B never considered it because we, as fans, we're interested in the mechanics of how to put together a match and 
what works and, and what doesn't work, but more importantly, the why, you know, that's the reason people are listening to this podcast. I mean, candidly, everybody listening to this watch WrestleMania 11, or could turn this off and go watch WrestleMania 11, but they want to hear the story behind the story. So you do, I got to tell today. you a story then. Yes. I got to tell you a story that kind of relates to this uh, doing the, uh, meet and greet last night at NWA Yeah, people coming through. We had some podcast listeners gave out koozies. I would always say, Hey, this is on Conrad. It's not on me. These are on Conrad. We had, we had fun with it. Um, but, uh, the old proverbial saying, Jeff, I hated you. Yeah. And actually my son hated you because I hated you and he'd watch you on YouTube and he hated you, but no. That damn Conrad Thompson, he said, your story's going to be interesting. And I said, bullshit. And you got about three months in. And I said, I'm going to give it a shot. He started listening, blah, blah. And I asked him Conrad last night. I said, come on now. Now, why did you hate me? He said, anybody could have beat your ass back then. I said, oh, can you care to elaborate there, pal? He goes, oh God, I wanted to kick your ass and just knew I could do it. And I go, hmm, how about that? Job well done. Yeah, absolutely. But, but no, the, the thing being is in those enhancement matches and whether it was Pat or Jack Lanza, Chief J Strongboat, those guys in enhancement matches, look, you could go out and do a move set. And like you said, Scott, I always wanted to take shout out to Marty Gardner, whoever I was working with. I always wanted to give my enhancement guys probably just push the line where Vince would say, damn, Jeff, you're giving him the whole match. I wanted to push it right up to that because if the people think the enhancement talent can kick my ass, well, then the razor going to beat me in 30 seconds. And if I just escape, I win. Yes. Yeah. So it was good. End up being fun last night. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering our core body temperature. You see, temperature-controlled sleep repairs our muscles after a hard day's work, and it improves our cognitive function, so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. Chili Sleep makes customizable, climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Chili Sleep makes the Uller, that's the one I have, and the Cube Sleep System. Both are hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. Chili Sleep can make that happen. For an extra layer of comfort, they also make the Chili Blanket. It's the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. Head over to chillysleep.com forward slash my world to learn more and save 30% off. That's right. 30% off the purchase of any new cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for my world with Jeff Jarrett listeners and only for a limited time. That's chilly C H I L I sleep.com slash my world to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. Guys, I love chilly sleep. You've heard me brag about it. I even took it to the beach with me this week. 
But one thing I want you to know, this is the best offer Chili Sleep's ever had. Even I didn't get 30% off. Are you kidding? This is the best offer ever. Check it out. 30% off. It won't last forever, but they've got it right now, and it's worth a look. That's Chili, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com, forward slash my world. Well, listen, guys, we, uh, we appreciate you being patient with us. This is really the first time Jeff and I've been able to speak since he's been out of town and I have too, but we're excited to talk about Royal rumble. Uh, I want to mention briefly, Jeff, we're doing what we can to try to celebrate Scott's legacy. We just did, uh, over on adfreeshows.com, And I think it's in one of the podcast feeds. I need to see which one we did like a tribute to the bad guy, but we're going to be recording, uh, as, as you and I are recording this tomorrow, uh, Jake, the snake myself and diamond Dallas page are all going to have probably the most emotional conversation about Scott hall ever. So if you're looking for more Scott hall content, let me recommend DDP snake pit. I don't reckon it'll air this week, but maybe next week, um, it's going to be, I'm trying to gear up for it because just as the podcast you and I did, I actually, I did an ask Conrad anything last week, Jeff, and somebody said, Hey, what's the most important podcast or the one where, when you clicked stop, where you were like, Hey, if I never do another one, uh, I I could go out happy with that one. I named our Owen episode because that wasn't really a podcast. That was an emotional experience. And that's what I expect this one to be. So if you're looking for more Scott Hall content, not just about wrestling, but there will be wrestling in there, but about the guy, uh, tune in to DDP snake pit. Uh, it's free anywhere you enjoy podcasts, not behind a paywall. We want everybody to see it because, uh, the, the crew over there at, at DDP's place, they do a great job on the video too. So it'll be on YouTube, but, but everywhere you enjoy podcasts. But today's topic is about WrestleMania 11. Let's get into it. Coming out of Royal rumble. It's your first run as the assistant manager of the WWF. You've got the intercontinental title. You beat razor for that title. And you can hear about that in the archives, but did you know coming out of the rumble? Hey, we're going to run it back with razor at WrestleMania. Did you know it was a rematch for WrestleMania already? When? Yeah. Uh, it, I knew it was a good shot at it. Um, as, and we, as we get into talking about the finish of mania, but it, you know, winning in at rumble, it was, it was a natural, um, man, I hate to say the glory days of pay-per-view, but I, I say that tongue in cheek in that there was Royal rumble and then you didn't have another big show till mania and right. you had really good time to build, but yeah, there were, when I wanted it rumble, I knew that we were probably going back to it. Candidly, I thought that's where I was dropping it back to him at. So I don't know that we've talked about this before, but I know there's a pretty infamous story out there that you were supposed to be a part of WrestleMania 10 because WrestleMania 11 does wind up being your first WrestleMania, but you're backstage with all your shit on ready to do your thing at WrestleMania 10. And I'll be darned. What do you know? Shawn Michaels went a little long at WrestleMania. Don't know that there's ever been a precedent for that, but it <laughs> happened. And, and really we're thankful it did because the oh, yeah. ladder match with him and razor Ramon is probably going to exceed any sort of memory that we would have ever had about oh. you and Rick Martel, IRS, the head shrinkers Tatanka, one, two, three kids, Sparky plug and the smoking guns. Don't get me wrong. That's a nice way to get 10 guys at WrestleMania payday and get them featured. But they created absolute magic that went 18 minutes and change, but it had to be, even if you're friends with Sean and even if you're friends with Scott, because we're at least pretending for the rest of this show that you were part of the click, uh, I'm sure you were like a little bit disappointed 
Hey, I'm, I'm, it's my WrestleMania moment. I'm in Madison square garden. I got my shit on. I'm ready to do my thing. But when you see the match, you're like, well, it's kind of hard to be mad. Right. I was, I was like many folks backstage glued to the monitor. Now you got to remember I started in October, right? Started on the road end of December. So January, February, March, I hadn't been there long and I was watching Randy Savage pace. Mike wasn't real happy with them going over time. No. And I just sort of like, okay, but the match was so good. And I knew that the 10 man tag was for lack of a better word, scrambled eggs. It was so easy to prepare for because all of us had like one spot. Yeah. It, it, it was, but so I wasn't emotionally invested into the body of the match. And I don't know who came up and told me, uh, maybe an IRS. He's like, Jeff, we'll get paid. Don't, don't, don't worry that something will come out of this. Don't, you know, it's, but we didn't really know it was cut until like, as the latter, the latter match was over. I mean, it was, so the match was awesome. God, the drama in that building to this day, watching that match back two of the best to ever do it. Yeah. It's that simple. So I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't pissed off. I, I was just kind of like a, a deer in the headlights, if you will, a young kid, like, uh Oh, is our match really going to get cut? Okay. It is kind of fun to think about though. Your match got cut at WrestleMania 10 because razor went too long. And now you beat razor for the intercontinental title at the Royal rumble. And you might be taking on the guy who was in the match that got your match cut at the next year's WrestleMania. It's kind of fun. Oh yeah. Uh, the night after the Royal rumble, you're in a Kings court segment with Jerry Lawler and Lawler asks you about what can we expect from the ain't I great tour and you challenge diesel to a match. So you're technically the number two heel in the company behind Shawn Michaels and your first night as intercontinental champion, you challenge the world champion. What would you think of that booking? Conrad, before I get into the booking, you may give you a little story behind the story. Please do. All right. So obviously the, uh, WWF, uh, machine had gotten behind old double J at this point with the lighted up outfit, right? And that lighted up outfit, uh, doing an in-ring with the King's court, all fired up roadie, man, this is the road to WrestleMania. I mean, we were really fired up and Conrad, I go to the ring and before you walk through the curtain backstage, the scenic and props folks are there. And I had a switch on my hat to start the light up hat. And I had a switch, uh, inside my jacket to get the uh, lights on my jacket cranked up. And I'm strolling on down to the ring and I am all ready to go and get up in the ring. Lawler. I wish he, we, I mean, he tells this story funnier than me because as I'm sitting there talking to him, I'm sh- sh- sort of shaking my shoulders and he's like, he wasn't really sure what was going on, but I'm moving my shoulders. Conrad, the padding in there had moved or whatever. And so there's two hot wires. Literally, there's you look on my shoulder right now. It's singed, burnt with a, two big blisters on my shoulder as I'm doing the in-ring. You can go back and kind of watch it. I think I did a pretty good cover-up job, but went out and did that promo. I pat myself on the back. I performed under incredible <laughs> pain and stress and that thing burned the shit out of my left shoulder. Uh, but so that was the promo. Um, and Lawler was like back. I'm like, Jerry, 
did you run? He goes, no, but what the hell's going on? And this is later. And I go, look at my shoulder. He's like, what? Anyway, Glawler tells that story funny, but um, yeah, we, we had kicked things off and you know, uh, big daddy. Cool. He was Kev. He was rolling into mania and it was, it was good times. I mean, it was, uh, I don't call it the rocket, but, uh, the old assistant general manager was rolling at this time and they had really put the ball in me and road dogs hands. And they really liked the package that it just clicked and went in the title at rumble. And then we're off to the races and the act was very hot. Let's, uh, let's talk about what's next for you. You're going to be working with razor and West Palm beach on a superstars taping. You'll be working with Adam bomb and North Fort Myers for wrestling challenge. You're going to lose by DQ to razor after uh, the roadie interferes and you get the win over Adam bomb. You got 5,000 fans there for West Palm beach. Uh, you need a ref bump and some roadie interference to beat the, uh, the Adam bomb character. What'd you think of working with Adam bomb? That's a name we don't hear talked about very much anymore. I like what Brian Clark. I just recently saw him in Albany. You know, they were, they had, uh, the office or Vince had had high hopes for him. You know, as you can tell, the IC champ was using, but that was the package of Double J and the roadie to to pull out all the stops and all that. But they were they were pushing old old Brian. I like Brian. Uh, good dude. Good dude. Back on the road, you work in Diesel in Baltimore in front of twenty five hundred fans. Razor in Hershey, Niagara Falls, Quebec, Montreal. Montreal's a big crowd. Twelve thousand one hundred and thirteen fans. Any memories of working these loops with, uh, with razor here is this the Montreal he- show. And as I was looking at the research Conrad, and as we both know, we've been super busy and WWE live and lucky horseshoes and NWA and beach and driving and all that. But this run here, there was a rib played in North Charleston on me and roadie. Um, but it was all in all, it was a good time. The, the Montreal show, uh, that's for another podcast. There was a, that, that market. And we've talked about that. It, it always did good, but there was something going on. I'm saying in a positive way, I don't know if it was Jacques. So it's 95. Anyway, that's a hell of a house. 12,000 fans at a live event. That wasn't TV. It was, it was a hell of a live event. Uh, business was good. You just said five in West Palm business was, was really in when you do comparative. And that was another thing I was going to get Derek, but I just been busy. Um, Business was trending up in 95. It's WrestleMania season, but business is trending up in all those markets. Hey man, here's a scary stat. Every 10 seconds, someone becomes a victim of fraud or identity theft. But do you want to know what's worse? 23% of those people don't get their money back after the attack. Now, if you think it could never happen to you, you could be their next target, but aura can help. Aura provides digital security protection to keep your online finances, personal information, and your tech all safe from online threats. It really is an all-in-one protection from identity theft, financial fraud, malware, scam sites, and so much more. With Aura, you'll get alerted to fraud and threats fast, like if your online accounts or passwords were leaked online, or if someone tried to open a bank account in your name. Aura is easy to set up. All their plans come with a million dollars in identity theft insurance to help recover your stolen funds, and they have an experienced U.S.-based customer support team that's got your back. Aura is a new type of security service that protects all of your online information and devices with one simple subscription with an easy online dashboard and alert sent straight to your phone. Aura keeps you in control and guides you through solving any issues for a limited time. Aura is offering our listeners a 30 day free trial 
when you visit aura.com slash my world. Go to aura.com slash my world to get complete protection, huge savings, and a 30 day free trial. That's aura.com slash my world. Aura, the new standard in digital security. So we should mention your, um, these house show tours are different, right? Because, well, there are no real house show tours anymore. I mean, there are, but not really. WWE is no. running just a handful. You guys were running and gunning in this era. And back then there was no pay-per-view between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. We know now we've got a January, February, March show. Uh, that's just not the case here. Uh, you're back on the road with razor working, uh, him in, in Pittsburgh, 5,000 fans and chance, uh, easy for me to say 5,000 fans and change there. Scranton is a sellout. It's a smaller building, but still 2,500 and the Scranton CYO shows have always been joked about and shoot interviews by a bunch of guys. what do you think of these Scranton shows? You got any good Scranton stories? Well, I mean, to put it all in context, and this is why I love doing the podcast for a lot of reasons, but this is one when you really drill down in what you just said. So Royal Rumble in January, Mania in uh, April. So you have like a rock and roll tour. We were out on tour. We were grinding it. We were doing TVs, but lots of live events, uh, AKA house shows. And it's before social media. So I say all that to say that, yes, there was the, uh, you know, Meltzer and Keller and the sheets and all that, you know, and, and the, the early, early days of the internet. But for the most part, this was, I'll call it not my, this is my post-grad work. I'll call it that Conrad, if we're going to give a school analogy, cause I'm working with Scott every night. And when you can go from West Palm to Baltimore to Hershey, to, you know, all these different towns with the same opponent and try little nuances and try different things. And it's how the industry was done is that we're going to have this match. And I'm leading somewhere with this, uh, rabbit hole Conrad, by the time you get to mania, I've worked with Scott 30 or 40 times. And we've tried little nuances of this, this, and this of what worked and didn't work. And we're going to, you know, put, you know, a, a piece of this and that it just all sort of gelling together, but it, it was how the business was done. And yes, it was a lot of bumps and a lot of travel and all that, but man, it's how you really get good at your craft it is, it it's just that simple, but you know, um, you, you called, uh, uh, yeah. Catholic use. Yeah. See, what do you call it? CYO show? CYO. But, yeah. Yeah. That stands for Catholic youth, uh, center. Um, and that says it all that, you know, it, it had, uh, you know, church officials were part of it. And let's face it, you know, it's right in the heart of the old WWF territory and not too far removed from the steroid trial and sort of black eye. But, uh, I'll say this, it was a building that was rocking and rolling, but just still kind of ironic that the Catholic youth center had professional wrestling in it. And, you know, I, I don't remember how many times, but all the agents would say, yeah, this guy got trouble for cussing backstage, or you can't say this and this talent, you know, it was just a different venue to run, but always, I would say always, but it, it was a hell of a house always. And a blast to work in when you've got 2,500 people crammed into a building, it's a lot of fun to work in. 
You're working second from the top at the spectrum, working against diesel with uh, roadie and Sean in your corner. Diesel gets the win, but Michaels hits him with a super kick afterwards. Of course, they're going to be the main event of WrestleMania, uh, February 18th. Unfortunately, a little sad news. Uh, Eddie Gilbert passes away. Eddie Gilbert really became the wrestling star that we know in Memphis. And he had success in other areas, but what a great mind for the business. Everyone said that this guy, you know, could have been a major influencer, but his life was cut way too short, way too soon. You got any good Eddie Gilbert stories you can share with us? Oh, I don't know if it's good one, but he's one of the first guys that I personally knew that left us too soon for the wrong. I mean, there's never a right reason, but you know, um, passed away and Eddie came back. Okay. Let me back up. My grandfather, Eddie Marlin, my dad's father-in-law, um, was a promoter and everybody knows him through the Memphis TV or a lot of folks know him. If you hear the word Eddie Marlin, but in his wrestling days, his tag team partner was Tommy Gilbert, which is Eddie's father. So the Gilberts and the Jarrett's and the Marlins, I mean, I grew up knowing Eddie and Doug, and it was just, you know, second and third generation and all that. So when I broke in, Eddie was away and I don't know, you know, he's working around, but you know, I knew it. Eddie had worked and been successful, um, and wasn't a real big guy, but I looked up to him as far as, okay, this guy's traveled around and, 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 but then when he came back, he, Eddie's sort of attention to booking and detail. And we would, uh, on our spot shows, I was used to working in a spot show, maybe 10, 12 minutes, uh, and just going out and having a good spot show match and entertaining the fans and doing it. Eddie would go into these spot shows and he's booking or assistant booking or whatever. And five matches on a car, two matches, intermission, two matches, intermission, uh, and then main event and me and Eddie, he's, he's like, Hey man, I'm going to give us a lot of time on this. Here's the finish. And me and Eddie would do 30 minute in the main event, 30 minute time limit draws, Conrad. And we would go to a draw as the main event. And then we're, we're, we're doing all this and he scoots out the way psychology was scoots out. And he would have me ask for five more minutes. And we would go almost five minutes and then he'd let me catch him a one, two, three. And you talk about really making the people want to see a finish. Eddie was really, really good. And you talk about a talent that had Eddie, you know, he's one of those guys that I think, uh, had he not had his demons just in a creative circle, where would he have gone? Whether it was WCW or whether it would have been with, with WWF or wherever it may be. But Eddie had a real bright mind, loved the business, loved the business. And uh, this is back in the payphone days. But when I heard the news, uh, I can remember calling uh, his father, Tommy, and just sorry for your loss, condolences and all that. And I was at a payphone in um, Maine. What is the town in Maine? But anyway, Banger, Maine. Yeah, but went through, this is another thing. Why I remember this, I have no idea, but go through security and I knew I'd got to the airport early. I'm going to get through security so I can get through it and use the phone. Uh, other side of security called and, and talked a, a few minutes and it was just like a, a gut wrenching, like, damn, um, just gone too soon. A young, young man. Wow. You get to work with diesel in Auburn Hills, which is a big deal because, uh, well, Kevin Nash is the world champ. Um, 
You're also on the heartbreak hotel with Sean earlier in the night. You got to feel pretty happy with your spot. I mean, I know a lot of times whenever we've talked about your WWE experience, we often get to a spot where you weren't happy creatively, or you didn't feel like your career was exactly trending in the right direction, but that's not the case here. Is it Conrad? I'm 27, 27, 28. And I see champ and on two or three times, even a live event, a heartbreak hotel main event maybe run in on Sean's match or whatever it may be. Um, I was having the time of my life um, in so many ways. You know, I'd been in the territory for seven years, and I knew I'd paid my dues and learned my craft and all that, and I have felt an obligation to the family business. But then I get to the WWF and do the building process, and Vince said, we're going to give this thing a year, and I'm going, oh, my God, a year. But okay, I so but now here it is. Just as Vince said, it's 95 it's rocking and rolling me and the roadie in main events and semi main events, making great money. Life couldn't have gotten much better for old double J during this run, as far as the professional side. So your match against diesel is live on raw from Macon, Georgia. And the observer wrote this diesel kept the title beating Jeff Jarrett in a good match. And a lot of credit should go to Jarrett for carrying him. Not so much because diesel was that bad but because they worked the match standing up and the size difference was just incredible yet. They did a decent job with it. So how about that? Meltzer putting you over a little bit. What do you remember about your matches matches with Kevin? It feels like a lot of times, you know, they try to do when you have a big guy like that, a David and Goliath type story. What was your experience like working with diesel here in 95? Me and Kev hit it all from day one. Um, Man, I feel for Kev right there in this time too, because you just think of—I'm sorry to, but but you know—you just think of, uh, yeah. I mean, they met each other thirty-something years ago. So, yeah, th- three-decade-long friendship, brotherhood, really. Yeah, that's—I mean, it, it's a different kind of deal. And um, look, me and Kevin buds, and me and Scott are buds, and Sean, and you sort of come up that way. But when you're thinking about Scott and Kevin the WCW, um, diamond stud, uh, master blaster Oz days. They, you know, go to the show and, and diesel and razor formed. And then they leave and had just Uber success. And, 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 and all through these years and go back and they were, you know, they were with us at TNA for, for a period, but just those two it's, 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 uh, my heart goes out to Kev, but, um, shit, I got lost. What were we talking about? Well, we're talking uh, just what your type of matches, putting matches together with Kevin. Yeah. yeah, Kevin Nash, um, me and Kev hit it off personally, but in, in, you know, as far as in the ring and here's what Kev, I'll just never forget the first few times he said it. Hey dude, hit me with that sweet punch and I'll sell my ass off. And Kevin long hair. He got a lot of, I mean, a lot of mileage out of my punch. That's the, the, the chemistry we had. Kevin didn't mind selling, um, you know, he wasn't going to bump all around. That wouldn't have looked right, but Kevin knew how to work a big man. And, and we had our a match B match and C match, and we always had fun. It always delivered. And, um, that I remember that TV match well and making and, uh, backstage, everybody was really happy with it. I was happy with it. And me and Kevin like, yeah, we've done this a few times kind of deal. But, uh, yeah, it was, again, things were clicking. 
As a reminder, WrestleMania 11, is not just about Shawn Michaels and diesel. It's also about getting hall of famer, Lawrence Taylor in the mix. He's going to be working with Bam Bam Bigelow. You're a big sports guy. How cool was it to see LT hanging around the wrestling biz? It was unbelievable when that thing started to roll out and I'm like, Bam Bam is the per, I mean, he's the perfect opponent. And again, I'm a sports junkie and you start hearing, Hey, there's going to be football players and salt and pepper is going to sing because they were a part of this mania. And, um, it was the big, it was the big time. They didn't have, um, uh, NFL great in Memphis, uh, co-headlining, uh, WrestleMania with a press conference in Times Square and everything we're going to talk about. It was really cool, Conrad. Again, I'm I'm 26, 27, 28, being a part of all this, and it's just you know the realization that okay, this is at the very tippy tippy top of this industry, like big time. And I love WCW, born and raised on that, but they just didn't have the Vince McMahon machine that created the spectacles. This was a spectacle. Do you feel like your program with razor is a little lost in the shuffle as a result? I mean, for a long time, it felt like if your WrestleMania, a story, which is your main event and your world title, and then your B story, which is why we joke about it. So often is the intercontinental championship match. Now though, the world title is not going on last. It's a football player and bam, bam, Bigelow, and you're still in the mix. But you do see some sour grapes from guys every now and again, who say all these outsiders coming in, taking our spot, taking our paydays. We've been on the road our whole year and blah, blah, blah. But then you see other guys who are like, uh, wait a minute, wearing a promoter hat. I disagree with that. I'm curious your take because you get to wear both hats on this show. The son of a promoter, the grandson of a promoter. And now of course, with the benefit of hindsight, you're a promoter too. But back when you were in your mid twenties with the IC strap and you realize, man, at best I'm in the third most talked about match as opposed to the second rub you the wrong way. Or did you see that LT coming in was going to be better for everybody? Well, again, I'm going to go back to the spectacle effect that Madison square garden live event or Boston garden live event or wherever it may be. I looked at those probably as shows or events, but mania and rumble they're spectacles, you know, just, you know, you have a Pam Anderson, you have a Mike Tyson, you have all these pop culture kind of deals. And again, me being a sports junkie, you know, LT wasn't just good. <laughs> he, he was like a whole nother level. Great. And we were in the New York city market. And so LT and being a giant and there's going to be other all pros surrounding him and bam, bam. And just kind of the, 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 the lineup, I didn't, I never gave that uh, like, oh man, they're going to bump me down to third, but you know, I always looked at spectacle and the world title match of Kevin and Sean, look, it's a hell of a spot to be number three on the card. I, I never looked down about it. So the next night in Augusta, uh, it's a superstars taping. You're going to team with the Taka to take on razor and Luger. It's a losing effort. Is this your first time working with Lex? Hmm. 95. I'm trying to think if I would have worked with him in 94, maybe a few times in 94. What, what was uh, it like being in the ring with Lex? Well, no, I mean, he came to Louisville as the narcissist when I was still in the territory. Okay. So no, it, it wasn't, um, 
damn, Lex was so strong. I mean, the first thing coming to my mind in, in 93, 94, 95 is um, Scott Hall used to say, Jared, you're the heaviest 220-pounder alive. Would you please give me some help? And I'd say, Lex doesn't need help. <laughs> you know what? It tur- turns out you've wrestled him quite a bit in 94. You, even the uh, on the Superstars taping, uh, not just uh, the international tour, but you did a big international tour with him. But you had a, a qualifying match where you beat Lex Luger by count out back in 94. And the you're King exactly right. Uh, you, you worked with him in a tag match in Memphis and then in a singles event in uh, Louisville back in 93. So I'll be darned. How about that? Yeah, qu- quite a few times. Um, but no, it, it, I'm trying to, uh, I, I chuckle though. That's one of the thoughts I had on the beach is that Scott, um, the, one of his moves set was the sack of shit. He just, it's, yep. you know, body catches you and then t- fall away slam, I guess is the technical move for it. Um, but when I would jump into place for that, I would, I guess, be a little heavier than Scott cared for. He's a strong man. But anyway, also on slams or whatever, Scott would always rib me and say, you are the heaviest 225 pounder. And, and I would, I, I got my, I, I got it down where Lex never complained ever uh-huh. stronger. It's just a little back and forth. So, but Lex, good God almighty. He could press slam me like no tomorrow. what do you think of Tatanka? You only worked with him a handful of times. I think this is the last time you'll be in the ring with him. We don't talk about Tatanka a lot here on the program. So it's a different era. You know, we talked about Adam bomb and IRS and the head shrinkers, just the, the mode of, uh, of, of gimmicks or personas. I'm the singing cowboy and diesel's the truck driver and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. I loved it when I thought I wish, and look, you know, I don't say Chris is, is the, the best or the worst promo, but I think if they would have fine tuned his promo skills as a heel Tatanka. I, I, I thought that could have gone places. I, I, I do. I think the baby face, yeah, it had its run, but it was a lot of ways, very stereotypical, even though Chris is Indian, he's, you know, but, but you, you, I think they would have to have done more with it. Uh, but as a heel man, I thought they had that, that had the potential to have a lot of legs on it. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance, if you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. 
Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Let's, uh, let's talk about the WrestleMania press conference. It happens at the Harley Davidson cafe in New York city. And you're not there. That just feels weird to me. I mean, I guess it's all about those other two matches, but were you a little disappointed that you didn't get to be a part of a WrestleMania presser like this? I have a strong feeling that I was racking my brain actually this morning doing cardio Conrad, why I wasn't there. Maybe I wasn't booked or maybe I was, this is the, so to, to build this whole build Conrad from really about October, November, December of the prior year, but you know, certainly into January, February, March, April, and then in July, I was just on a grind. I was on so many on sales and media appearances and I was a, uh, they had me going everywhere, quote unquote, on my off days. So if I wasn't at the many appearance, I could have been at some kind of live event on sale or charity or something like that. I don't really recall why I wasn't there, but then it could have been on the flip side. If you have bam, bam yeah. and LP and Sean and Kevin and Vince and one other, maybe a female, there's no room. Yeah. So there's an interesting house show that goes down in San Bernardino in early March. Dan Cortez of MTV fame is in diesel's corner for a tag match where he teams up with the undertaker to take on you and bam, bam. And of course you take the pin. what do you think of old Dan? San Bernardino is what you said, right? Yep. I'm going to go down to that name. Whenever I hear this Conrad, I'm going way off beat here. Right. But on the back of a plane, rarely did we take Southwest flights, but we had a group flight with a bunch of talent. Scott was on there and Owen was on there. And we were at the very back of the plane and folks that were a part of this flight that they, you may have even heard this story, but uh, have you, have I told this story, Conrad? I don't believe so. Okay. But anyway, Scott Hall got, he fake laughed and then he got seriously laughing and tickled at which everybody got everybody tickled and the flight attendant. So Owen nonchalantly pan face says, now, where did you say we're going? And she goes, uh, San Bernardino, you on the right flight? And he goes, San Bernardino. That's where this flight's going in the Southwest. And you know how Southwest flights are. They're so, or you probably don't. You're on first class Delta, but no, you know, they're happy, jovial. Oh, just going to have a great time. And she's like, hmm, Sam and Owen goes, can you spell that for me, please? And she goes, S-A-N-B-E-R. Owen would go, no, 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 no. I think it's B. Wait, do you have a pen and paper? And she's like, well, I'll get you one. And. Conrad, this went on for like 15 minutes. And then Owen's going, Scott, how do you spell this? And Owen's like, uh, anyway, it went on and on and on. But that was a a Scott Hall, Owen Hart, rib story, San Bernardino. But back to course. Anyway, it's a great Owen Hart. The simplest rib that nobody any harm. And the poor stewardess really thought she was helping Owen out, that he really wanted to care, uh, know how to spell San Bernardino. And Owen was just literally passing time. So enough of that. Uh, Another, uh, integration of, um, you know, it, it was, uh, there wasn't a lot to it. Uh, I don't even remember why he was a part of it, but there was some kind of 
entertainment Hollywood relations. Uh, but he, he was cool. It wasn't a big deal. It was a one and done. So the final build of WrestleMania, somehow Barry Horowitz gets involved. <laughs> Meltzer would write this. Barry Horowitz did an interview for an IC title match with Jeff Jarrett saying he's talked with Razor Ramon and knows all of Jarrett's weaknesses. Cornette said Horowitz's one loss record was zero and forever. Since they had no video walls, the fans live were actually in the dark as to the storyline. So they didn't react the way they should to have Horowitz gaining the early near pins. Fans live saw it as nothing but a squash match and Jarrett isn't nearly as over as he should be with his push but it was actually good for its storyline on television. This is uh suspect at best booking. Here you are the intercontinental champion. Here's a talent who has seemingly never won a match. Fans know that he's never won a match. Mm-hmm. And now he's given you the what for. What'd you think? One word comes to mind thinking about this maintenance. Yeah. They were maintenance in the storyline because yeah. there was no need for me and Scott to the, the story was set. I beat him at rumble. We're going to get to mania. So don't overdo physicality. Don't overdo talking, have a little sidebar, have a little story with it. The whole world knew, as you said, Barry Horowitz was at the very tip top of the food chain with enhancement talent. Barry lived here uh, in the Nashville area for years and years and years. Um, oh, Jack Hart, Stretcher Jack Hart, or Barry Horowitz. But um, and Barry can work. Uh, so it was a a TV. We call it a a quick TV storyline that helped continue the build, if you will, of Razor and and Double J, uh, and didn't hurt anybody, but. Taking it face value, Meltzer had to get the jab in. He put me over in the making match, and Jarrett's just not nearly as over as he should be. Old Dave. Good old Dave. Well, later in the show, you agree to a rematch with Horowitz, but Bob Backlund attacks Horowitz and signs the contract instead. So now there's going to be a March to WrestleMania program that's going to give you like a little special, a little extra, a little land yap, as some might say. It's not Monday night raw. It is a special and it's Jeff Jarrett versus Bob Backlund. In the meantime, razors cut promo saying he's upset that now his rematch may not take place. If Jarrett loses and the IC title could be up for grabs now between Brett and Backlund at WrestleMania. And that leads to razor interfering. Meltzer had this to say Jarrett versus Backlund for the title was awful, but the post-match was very good. Bob worked as the face as far as the spots went, but did the heel facials. Nobody cared at all about the match, even though Jarrett was really selling great. Backlund had Jarrett set up for the chicken wing when Ramon attacked Backlund for the DQ. No doubt the storyline being he wanted to make sure Jarrett was still the champ for WrestleMania, quote unquote, next week. Meltzer gave it half a star. What'd you think here of this creative and, and your your chance to work with Bob Backlund, a former legend, but a lot of people look at this run here and think, mm, maybe not the right time or place. I always love talking to Bob, working with Bob, the TNA, you know, brought him to TNA, all this, but good God almighty. It was such a, um, okay. 
So growing up in a wrestling household, Lawler was the king, and you got to see Flair from time to time or Harley and old Tommy Rich Wildfire went down to Atlanta. He became champ. And, you know, you hear of, okay, maybe the Von Erics. Anyway, but taking, looking at Bob Backlund on, in a magazine, that's the first time I ever saw Bob. He, he didn't strike at, you know, you saw Bruno, uh, you know, years ago, Bruno, but then you, you see Backlund, he just didn't look like, okay, he's sort of got short hair. He looked like in a lot of ways, I don't say accountant, but, but just, he looked like an office worker in tights, but stout and strong as an ox. Um, but then insert him in and you can, the survivor series with him and Brett. And now here we are. What is this? Five months later, four months later, it was such a fish out of water character that Backlund had all this history, but then he did the silly facials. And I, I don't know. It was just really, it was difficult because was he a heel? Was he a baby face? Like I said, coming off the Brett storyline, but now he's sort of interjected into this, um, Different kind of deal to say the least, but maintenancing again, me and razor. So some more tag matches take place before mania, uh, between the click it's in Fresno, 9,000 fans, Thunder Bay, 2,800 fans, Maple Leaf gardens, and then 10,000 folks at MSG. So the crowds are picking up. You're working in a top spot. Is this the most money you've made in the business at this point? Oh yeah, D- definitely. I mean. Good houses because, again, that's where, comparatively speaking, 93, 94, 95, <clears throat> the live event business, when you sort of look at it from a real historical perspective, the live business, live event business was picking up pre-attitude era. So th- that's a, you know, coming off the steroid era and, you know, WCW live events. Eric, I'm sure you guys have gone into great detail when Eric just said, enough, quit running shows. It's a, it's, it's, it's it, this is crazy, but here we are in, in 95 and things were picking up and the strategy was picking up and the, the, the in market marketing. And it, there was a good concerted effort that let's get the houses up and, and they were. And so the payoffs were reflective. Yes. It was the most money I'd ever made in my career. Uh, cause live event payoffs, it's, it's a lot different payoff working against doink and uh, razor Ramon. I'll just say that. <laughs> Talk me through that. Like, uh, w- we know that you're paid off the house, but I guess I'm asking, like, let's say you worked Madison square garden this Saturday night. When do you find out how much you got paid for that? A week later, a month later, a day uh, later, probably three weeks later. And it just shows up in the mail or they hand it to you at TV. Oh, TV. You know, you get mail checks. A lot of times back in those days, again, pre you know, pre cell phone and, you know, it's like your checks come in the mail and guys walk in the dressing room, y'all get paid. My mail, st- I, it wasn't in my check. Yeah, I got mine today. So it was, you know, staggered within about two or three days when checks went out. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was a, about, about, a, about a three week delay on live event, but three and a lot of that, just so our, our listeners understand is because somebody like a ticket master say, they would not reconcile that until after the event. So it's not like that day, the company saw that amount of money. They know what's coming in. They could get a report, but they have to get all the credit cards processed, all the checks cut. So once the WWF gets their money, then they go ahead and make sure that you guys are paid those days. It's crazy. I mean, this is, I don't say when when was FedEx founded regardless, Dave Hebner, uh, would have to find 
so, I mean, he would send the, the arena checks off the following day, get it back to Titan Towers. You got to deposit. You got to reconcile. Yeah, so it was a process of, of about three weeks. But it, it's almost a little kind of nerve-wracking, I imagine. You know, uh, if you've got a kid who's who's near the end of their high school career, they get a little piece of mail, and then they're nervous to open it. Did I get into this college, right? There's this anticipation of what's inside this envelope. Sure. It's kind of the same thing here because you don't know what it is until you open it up, right? Exactly. I mean, but as things were grooving, you didn't, it's, everything's relative. So, you know, not to, and we've documented this, but I mean, once, you know, I'll say 94, I kind of had a pretty good idea on what that check would be. Okay. The house was great in Dortmund, Germany. I'm probably going to round 1500 or whatever it was or two grand. Ooh, wait a minute. So I had to do the Canadian blue check run and I did Sudbury and I did Barry and, and I did you know, this town, that town. Okay. It's going to be in Canadian dollars and it's going to be 500 a shot, 600, 700, 800, whatever it may be. You had a good guesstimate only shows like a garden or a Boston garden or something like that, that you're hoping it goes from, I don't know, 2,500 to three. Uh, you know, whatever it is. By now, you know that everything is crazy overseas and well, that's created some volatility in the market. We actually saw rates tick down a little bit this week. We don't know how long it'll stay that way. All the experts are predicting that there is going to be a rate hike this month in the month of March. Some are saying 25 basis points. Others are saying 50. What does that mean? It means waiting will cost you money. And by the way, I want to mention this is still a once in a lifetime opportunity just based on your real estate values. You see, all of a sudden your house is worth considerably more than it was just a couple of years ago. And as a result, you can use that newfound equity to change your life. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners take their 30 year loan and pay it off in half the time. And how can they afford to do that without their payments going sky high? We get rid of all their other debt. And I mean it as a heads up. What would you do if you had no credit card debt? Just like that. It was all paid off. How much easier would life be if those car payments, whoop, they're out of here. No more car payments. That is the story that we're able to help our friends and family with at SaveWithConrad.com. You see, the interest you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible, and sky high. The interest you pay on your car loans. Buddy, where is that going? What if we could restructure all of your debt, use some of this newfound equity, and at the same time, get you out of debt faster? You see, what we're talking about is reducing the time on your mortgage. Yes, we're going to get you a great rate. But if you're in a 30-year loan, think about what your life looks like 30 years from now. Man, life gets a lot easier when you're completely debt-free, and that's what we want to help you do. And by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And oh, as a heads up, if you've been thinking, hey man, I like my house, but my kitchen's kind of outdated, what if we could get you the cash you need to turn your average kitchen into something your wife loves and it wouldn't change your monthly payment at all? Why wouldn't you do that? You see, you'd be reinvesting back in your own property. That's going to make your house worth even more. And oh yeah, you can do it with cheaper monthly payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to go check out our reviews for yourself. See what some of our new family members are saying at ConradReviews.com. You'll see there we've got over a thousand verified reviews. Our average rating is 4.72. And if we were a restaurant with a thousand reviews and a 4.72 rating, I know where you're eating dinner and I know where you need to do your next loan. 
It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's SaveWithConrad.com. You, um, you're back on the road in Detroit at the Joe Lewis arena and then the Boston garden. You're a nostalgia guy. You've been all over at this point. You've hit all the major arenas for the WWF, the, the MSGs, the Philly spectrums, the Joe Lewis arenas, the Boston garden. Did any stand out as favorites for you? Well, me and Scott were in a ladder match in the very last wrestling event in Boston garden. And that out. It, it, it was, oh man. I mean. And back up even further when the old Boston garden, when you would drive up the ramp, it's a wooden ramp and it sounds like a rickety, I mean, a ton of noise, but look, uh, I was a huge Larry bird. I was a huge Boston fan. And so during the eighties, I'm watching all those Celtics Lakers finals or Celtics Pistons, uh, uh, Eastern conference finals or Larry legend hit 65, whatever it is. Boston garden and then get to perform in that building and then get the word out, whether it was three or four months, Hey, you're going to be on the very last Boston garden wrestling show. And then for it to be a ladder match in a featured match against Scott in a very marquee match. I mean, that's didn't call it a bucket list back then, but man, are you kidding me? It was, I loved it. I absolutely. It's it's it to this day. To be able to say, yes, I was in whatever semi-main event or comp, whatever it was, but against Razor in a ladder match in the Boston Garden. It's a big deal. Big, big for me. So you get to be the main event of the WrestleMania 11 public workout. It's at Times Square, Canyon of Heroes. It's uh, where you're going to wrestle Tony Roy until you finally go diesel into the ring. He ends up power bombing the roadie. How cool of a moment is this in your career? Here's this kid from Hendersonville, Tennessee, getting off the lake, getting on a plane. Now he's in Times Square in a fucking wrestling ring. Where are the just, ball drops, Conrad? Not just walking around taking pictures like a tourist. No, there is a wrestling ring set up in Times Square, and now you're in it. This has to be like, is this real life? Oh shit. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, a little sidebar. Do you have the rundown for that press conference? Cause I, yeah, this, it's only cause it's in times square. So Zeb, oh, uncle Zeb was managing the blues, uh, Eli and Jacob, and they were a part of this workout. And you know, if old Dutchman takes off his glasses, he can't see very well. And so the ring being set up on Times Square wasn't exactly like it would be in an arena. So it was on the street and this and that. So old Dutch leading his boys to battle and leading them to a big brawl. He walks up the steps that are going into the ring and the ring steps and the, the, uh, post are a little bit separated and Dutch goes to take a steps and boom, his leg goes all the way down and he's stuck. <laughs> he's straddling he nuts himself. One leg's on the ground and one leg's between the post and, and the steps. That's my funny Times square, but oh man, 
funny time. Dutch tells that story. It's hilarious. But anyway, yeah, Conrad, uh, are you kidding me? I see champ Times square public workout LT. I mean that the, the whole vibe. And again, this is, you know, it's just, it's so hard to give the analogy today because it's before social media. So you have press there, you know, it, it's, it's a different thing. Not everybody's got a flip phone or camera, but when you have a boatload of press, that are covering this spectacle and you're actually doing a performance. It, it's just, it was surreal to me. I mean, completely surreal to me that I'm going to go wrestle in times square for a public workout for WrestleMania. It was, it's really cool. And the press that was around. It's gotta be a pretty damn cool moment for you personally and professionally. And before mania, Keller would write this about your match quote, Razor Ramon faces Jeff Jarrett in a test for both wrestlers. If the WWF is serious in saying they want to stress work rate to a much greater degree than any time in the past, both wrestlers have something to prove. Jarrett has been somewhat of a disappointment in the ring thus far with only a few standout matches. His lack of bump taking and USWA punch oriented style didn't work well with other WWF wrestlers when he first arrived. Given how much Ramon has improved the last two years, Jarrett has no excuse not to be one half of a four-star effort. The angle of the last two weeks with Ramon coveting in a heelish way, this chance at the intercontinental title added some depth to Ramon's character. Look for the one, two, three kid and roadie at ringside to add to the histrionics. Did you feel like this was like, uh, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a dream come true to be at a WrestleMania and have an intercontinental title match and be working up, working with a guy like Grace or Ramon. But did you feel the pressure? Because. I just want to add context. The last time we saw razor Ramon at WrestleMania, he's standing atop a ladder with an intercontinental title in each hand. We're still talking about it all these years later. There is some pressure. This is what he did with Sean last year. What's he going to do this year? It's again for the intercontinental title, but it's not a ladder match, but you got some big shoes here to fill. Do you not? There's some pressure. I don't think I looked at it as big shoes to fill, but we were on a I'll say we, I'm talking about me, Razor and Rhodey and, and the vibe and the story and the reaction. I'll say the reactions that we, I had no doubt in my mind that we were going to deliver. And it's, it's unique to hear Wade that take on it, so to speak, (laughs) that if there's one thing and look, maybe I'm in the dark and maybe I was delusional and not reading it, but. I felt that I could have a match with spark plug, Bob Holly, Adam bomb, doink, dink, razor, Kevin, Sean, bam, bam, one, two, three kid. You know, I, I, I felt I had good to really good matches with all of them. And being in the ring with Scott, there was many a night that I felt Obviously, we had a lot of TV time to build it, but we tore the house down. It's not the best match on the card. It's certainly ranked right up there. So I want to ask about the little comment he has here. His lack of bump taking and USWA punch oriented style didn't work well with other WWF wrestlers when he first arrived. Lack of bump taking? Yeah. Like, did, did he think you weren't? Did you hear that criticism ever, or is this the first time you're hearing it? 
I've, I mean, if there's one thing as a hit or as a baby face either, I don't think I've ever been accused of no selling or not selling. To be clear, I read that as, as bumping and feeding. Was that the way you read it? Oh, that's, a, that's yeah. I mean, the other day there was a clip and shout out to Marcus on social media. He goes, damn dude, what a bump and feed guy you were. And I said, is that the first time you've seen that? Yeah. I mean, okay. I'll say this. That's one thing Kevin and Scott liked as them being the baby faces is that me and Sean flat back, up, flat down, back. up, down, up, down, up, down. They could just stay in one place. Yeah. Just stay in one place. So the punch oriented style, I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. All I've ever heard is that Jerry Lawler has the best punch in the history of wrestling. I don't know. Chat me up. What do you make of this criticism from your boy, Wade punch oriented style didn't jail. Well, and this is where we, uh, we have a lot of fun with Dave or Wade or whoever it may be. Their job was to sell newsletters specifically in this era. You never so, had any guys say, I don't want to take these less punches. We're doing too many punches. Never. I don't understand how guys just make shit up. I mean, I, I'm going to go back and defend Wade and Dave. They're selling newsletters. So they got to write a little something controversial yeah. to knock me, to make it interesting reading, to have their viewers say, Hey, Wade, you're full of shit. Or, Oh yeah. You know what? Jeff does throw too many punches and he does bump too much in the ring or he doesn't bump enough in the, whatever it is. It's nonsense, but let me ask this. The, the, okay. I'll, I'll give some context here. Cause this is going to be maybe uncomfortable. Maybe not, but. Conrad, if you bring up Desperate Housewives one more time. I won't. I promise. Okay. Not today anyway, but next week you're getting it again. Um, your dad, and you guys have had a complicated relationship. I got a ton of DMs about our conversation last week and that we sort of took a hard right turn, but had really good conversation about your dad and just family relationships and all that jazz. I got feedback too. Well, I'll share with you at some point. I want to tell you, or I want to ask you rather this era is where on the other channel, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage are starting to kick the shit out of WWF. Now the 83 week thing is not yet happening, right? Cause there is no Monday nitro that's going to happen later in the year, but all of a sudden from a licensing standpoint, from an advertising standpoint, we've always associated Macho man and Hulk Hogan with the WWF. And now they're on the WCW side of things. Well, supposedly Eric Bischoff is asking, Hey, what can we do to really level this thing up? What should we be doing? Da, 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 da. He freestyles this to his new business partner, Mr. Terry Balea, who we know as Hulk Hogan. And he says, brother call Jerry Jarrett and your dad, while you're the intercontinental champion. Working out in Times Square, about to be taking on Razor Ramon at WrestleMania, one of the biggest moments of your career. Your dad takes a consulting gig with WCW. And at the time, he was actually still on Vince McMahon's payroll. Now, your dad had told Vince a long time ago, stop paying me. Of course, we famously remember that your dad was involved and he was Vince's right hand man for a bit in case, what if. And certain people have denied that, but still your dad was in regular communication and was paying him. 
but now he's taking the paycheck from WCW and he calls and says, Vince, I just want to tell you again, you should stop sending these checks. I'm actually working for Turner's outfit and those checks stopped coming, but it almost felt as if, and I'm not saying ref wrestling is mafioso or whatever, but it almost felt like was one of the head of the families. If you will, McMahon was essentially just paying your dad tribute when he kept floating those checks. Hey, you had my back and you were there when I needed you. So here you go. But now he's switching jerseys and it's going to take the check somewhere else. And this comes out and is in the newsletters and people are talking about it right before your big moment at WrestleMania. When did you find out that your dad was going to take a consulting gig with WCW? And how did you think that was going to affect you at all? Or, or if at all in the WWF? Well, he didn't tell me. Oh, how did you find I, out through backstage talk? I can't put a finger on any one person, but And you've sort of laid it out and not that I had serious mixed emotions in that I knew things didn't end well with Pat and Bruce and in the work environment. And they, uh, they took it personally that your dad was there. They felt job scared or threatened by his presence. He's not going to come in and be our boss. They ribbed him really hard. And makes it basically made him miserable up there. And boy, yep. he was probably not loving Connecticut compared to, and again, just to add context. And I realized that, you know, we're maybe beating a dead horse, but your dad's used to living in, I don't know, 15,000 square feet of luxury in a hometown where he celebrated and has a bunch of acreage and knows everybody. And it's truly home. And now he's cramped into a, I don't know, 900 square foot corporate apartment. This probably sucks for a country boy. who's used to living on the land and on the lake. And now he's got guys fucking with his shit and he's not really in power and he's trying to be helpful. But as an older fellow, he's crammed his life into a 900 square foot. Of, and he just really wants to be home because the whole time he was home, by the way, he was in charge. So he was not a cog in the wheel. He was the boss. And like myself, and I can relate to this much more now than back then, my little brother, Jason was the cap. I mean, he was in his junior and senior year of high school football. Yeah. And my dad absolutely loved that. He would drive home on weekends to watch a game and drive back. That's a Connecticut to Nashville and back is, is a haul. It's a uh, commitment so, and a half. Yeah. 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 So it was, but now as a young 27, 28 year old, you ain't thinking world, about that. You're thinking about dad. This is my time. And go what world revolved around Jeff. I'm the IC champ. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. How dare and, you? Yeah. And you're doing what? Yeah. But, but I can't say that I had like really like long thoughts of it is like, Oh my God. And so with our relationship from the time I can remember, it was always a roller coaster. So this was one of those loop de loops that, you know, and whether it was, the boys or my first wife or other family members or whatever it is, there was a lot of chatter and a lot of noise. And look, I can tell of this today 
of, of a character fall, I just suppressed it. Oh, that's not going on. That's not going on. And, you know, and Cornette has said it, you know, being the son of a promoter is either the biggest blessing or the biggest curse. And I kind of took it as, well, you know, my dad gave me a great opportunity to get in this business and he was in this business first. So he's going to go, I can't fault him for that, but man, the timing of it sucked. And I didn't really, I did not think it was a coincidence. I'm like, dad, gum it. Wait, you, you, you felt like your dad was doing it on purpose. Well, not, not on purpose, that, That's what, but, but, but just maybe not on purpose. It, it was just like that gum at, just, and it, look, he, he was getting into developing home. I mean, you know, he was, he was, had other business ventures. He, he jumped ship <laughs> and it made me feel uneasy. And I can remember Bruce, Bruce specifically, Pat too, and Vince, a very brief conversation. Um, one, but it was a Jeff don't, this uh, has, this will not affect you, but Bruce kind of multiple times like Jeff, this ain't going to affect you at all. I probably made a lot bigger deal out of it. My mind for a short window, but it definitely weighed on my mind. Here we are. WrestleMania 11 Hartford civic center, 15,000 fans here on hand jam packed to the rafters. Do you remember what you did the night before? Uh, that was the, th- this is where boy times have changed, but that was where the fan fest was just getting started. I think they actually called it WWF fan fest and me and Rody, uh, I wore that silver outfit and I mean, we had appearances and media and maybe a banquet. We did all kinds of, um, WrestleMania activities. I can remember checking into the hotel, maybe on a, in Hartford, maybe that was a Thursday, maybe even a Wednesday. I mean, I can remember me and Brian, you know, um, cause me and Brian shared rooms on the road, but you know, you get to mania, everybody's got their own room and it was a big deal. I mean, it was, uh, it was the big show, a big deal. We're in a good spot. Um, me and Brian were having the time of our life. I'll tell you that much. So here we are. You're the second match on the show. Um, when did you find out how much time you had, who your agent was, wh- what your, your card was like where you were placement wise. Do you know all that the day before the week before the day I, of I think as we, we arrived up there, the, the talk, but look, when you have Scott as your opponent, it, you know, he, I deferred to him on. He was the lead, you know, he, he, you know, he, he would give me information. Hey, I think we're doing this or doing that. Or, um, you know, him and Pat had a really good relationship. And so I got my information, the majority of it from Scott, uh, maybe Kevin or Sean, but, but the majority, you know, this match would have come from Scott and what we're doing. And here, here's what I, they're thinking, but we'll, we'll figure out who our agent is. But I want to say when we arrived in Hartford, the news, but you know, the information began to be disseminated. So when do you and Scott start to actually put together the match? Is this something as you guys are, I mean, you know, the matches, it's not like it snuck up on you. And I know that you've worked a lot of matches and house shows. So do you sit down with him 
the day of a week out and say, Hey, remember that thing we did in Poughkeepsie? What if we started with that? And blah, blah, blah. When, as the week or two out, maybe three weeks out as we're knowing we're headed to mania, we're like, okay, come back through the curtain after a live event match, house show match. And we're like, Hey, at mania, we're going to start that way. And then we're going to go into this. And we just sort of footnote it. Okay. I'll do the next town. Hey, when we get to mania, this is the heat spot. And we're going to do this and this. And if we have enough time, we're at this. So we already had, let, let's just say the entire buffet. When we got to mania, all we had to do was fix our plate. It was really that, that we had ABCDEFG. I mean, we had a whole smorgasbord of spots and nuances and piecing this together and piecing that together. Let's find out how much time we have. And from however much time we have, we'll back time the finish and then we'll make this pot of soup. Go eat it. Here's what, uh, here's what it's written to say here. This is Meltzer's recap. Razor Ramon beat Jeff Jarrett by DQ in 13 minutes and 32 seconds. So Jarrett retained the IC title. One, two, three kid came out with Ramon to counter roadie. Ramon got the early advantage, but set up the razor's edge. But Rhodey pulled Jarrett out of the ring by his legs for safety. Jarrett tried to run away to the locker room, but kid blocked him, chased him back into the ring. Jarrett took over for three minutes until a collision. Ramon once again, took over scoring several near falls. At one point, kid tried to crotch Jarrett on the ring post, but Jarrett kicked him and he crashed at the security railing at 10 28 Ramon missed a leapfrog off the top rope and quote unquote injured his knee. Jarrett put the figure four on, but Ramon reversed it. Kid helped Ramon add leverage to the hold, but the ref caught him and forced Ramon to break the hold. Ramon superplexed Jarrett and set him up for the razor's edge, but Rhodey did a run in clipping Ramon's knee for the DQ finish. Kid ran in for the save, nailing both with spin kicks. One of which gave Jarrett a legit bloody nose. The heels came back and Jarrett locked the figure four on kid. Until Renee Goulet and several referees broke it up. Good match with a bad finish. Meltzer gave it two and three quarter stars. Wade liked it a little better. He gave it three stars. What did you think? Were you happy with it? When you come back through the curtain, did you accomplish all that you set out to? You know, it just dawned on me. You said Wade gave it a higher rating, but but most of the time he gives them lower ratings. That's true. That's yes, sir. How about that little my world statistic uh, statistic today? Um. You know, coming through the curtain, it it was, I had high expectations and I felt like everything clicked like the bloody nose. He knocked the crap out of me, but it was kid. And it, it happens. Um, I knew it was a good one. You know, it, it, it wasn't a little soft tap, but everything clicked, everything just, it gelled. Um, you know, I'll never forget. Scott coming through the curtain and the roar and the pop he had, you know, when we came out, me and Brian had heat, they, they booed us. They were, it was just a good presentation and Brian playing the part of roadie so well, which just, it just added to that whole story of the country music singer. And he, you know, at this point I'd been there a year and a half and the build to it. And here is this Southern talking smack talking, dude with a roadie and they kicked our guy's ass at the Royal rumble, the bad guy. And now he's getting his redemption because by God, his little buddy, one, two, three kid is in his corner. 
just the table was set right and the people responded um like you think they would and it was uh you know it was a came through the curtain it was very well received backstage if you had it to do over again like now that you can use your promoter hat your booking hat should you have dropped the belt back to razor here well cuz i ultimately we kind of knew where we were going I just say that because you kind of assumed after the Royal rumble, when you won, well, I'm going to drop it back to him at mania. Here's in my mind that I always thought Scott didn't need to win the belt again. Yeah. And it, it helped double J by retaining at mania. Nobody called it. Nobody called that. It, they just didn't it, even with one, two, three kid in the corner. Oh, wow. Double J Th- that, that to me was another, like, just a massive vote of confidence from Vince and his team. Hey, we're going with this guy. Yeah. We are absolutely, I mean, at Mania, um, it, it was just a big deal. It was a really big deal and a vote of confidence that we're going with this act. We're not taking the belt off him, of him at Mania. Any hurt feelings with the bloody nose? That spin kick looked pretty brutal. It was a brutal, no, none. Uh, again, um, just me and Sean had worked together a boatload of times. We, we were all, again, just the passion for the industry. That's the last thing that I would get upset about. And, yeah. and it's, you know, it, it just happened. And it's mania. Of course, he's going to be high energy. Scott's happy with the match. Vince is happy with the match. You're happy yes. with the match. Well, everybody was really happy. Um, you know, and when you look back and when maybe this is, me putting my promoter cap on, but when you watch road dog as a roadie, not a manager, not a mouthpiece, but he really was a second, but my God, he was a scene stealer. When you put him in different positions, you know, we had four guys in that match. Yes, it was a singles match, but everything kid did and everything roadie did really meant something. And Scott's the orchestra that, you know, as we went into all that, Scott really had the ultimate say in the match, if you will, that if we're going to do a little something, you know, kid and, 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 and road road dog and myself, we weren't going to say, Hey, no, Scott, we are going to do it this way. We, we deferred to him. He, he was, as you said, he was in the latter match the year before, and he had been there and he came in as razor of bone and the savage program. And, how much merchandise Scott was selling. And, you know, there, that's a whole nother conversation that Scott was, he was the guy it, it, merch sales. He was during this run, you know, Kevin, and, and we know that, that he, they flipped him baby face off of Sean's bodyguard. Nobody was selling as much merch. It was Brett and Scott. In a lot of ways, in, in the European tours, I mean, Scott was the guy. He was the top, when I say this, true babyface. I don't think you could put Kevin. He was Big Daddy Cool, but he was the guy and the orchestra. And so, yeah, everybody was happy. Let's uh, let's talk about WrestleMania 11 as a whole. What did you think of the rest of the card? You had Diesel retaining his title over Shawn Michaels. Brett beat Bob Backlund in an I quit match. Roddy Piper's the special guest referee. 
LT beats Bam Bam. Did your first WrestleMania live up to your expectations? And what did you think of the rest of the card? Chris Spielman was one of the football players that I got to chat a bit, a little bit with during that day. I found him fascinating, but it, you know, they had a separate dressing room for all the football players, but those guys ended up coming in and talking. And I do remember meeting Mongo for the first time, but you know, when, when you look at kind of the lineup of that card, you just kind of almost glossed over a 27 year old kid, double J from Hendersonville. And Rowdy Roddy Piper is in an I quit match. Now go back 10 years in the first couple of WrestleManias when I'm sitting on my dad's couch in a massive, what, what those big satellites called, uh, you know, whatever they were, but the uplinks you know, just, or whatever they are. It's just those huge. Yeah, anyway, C band. Anyway. Um, I mean, Piper on this card. Legendary football players, LT and Bam Bam. Again, Bam Bam, a guy who came through Memphis, wasn't there long, but immediately main event. And he had gone off to Japan and he had main events, Saturday night main events and this and that. And he's taken on LT. It was a huge deal. And so being a part, you know, Memphis, most of the time they were two match cards. It's just kind of how it was. It was Lawler, a lot of times one match cards, but now all of a sudden you have as we just went down LT in a match, Bret Hart, Diesel, razor is a, a big, big card. And, and you think about and pay-per-view had such a different connotation back then. Conrad, um, it was in your, you know, still quasi early fandom pay-per-view. Would you say had a different, when you heard pay-per-view back in those days, in your brain for, for me, a different bell rung than it does now. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, now it's transactional or the Apple generation. I call it the Apple wallet generation back in those days. You had Tyson, you had Holyfield, you had Hearns and it wasn't as easily accessible, you know, yeah. Back then you had to drive to your cable system the day before and get a little thing on the back of your TV. And that's what I'm saying. It's just a different deal. You can't click a button and it's there. Yeah. Thank you. Let's talk about some questions here. Cause Lord knows we got a ton of them. Uh, cowboy arrogance on Twitter wants to know based on everything I've heard, Pamela Anderson was stoned out of her mind at WrestleMania. Did you have any interaction with her backstage that night? No, I had none. And you know, she, I mean, I don't know that anybody had, had a lot. I mean, she did the pre tapes and all that kind of stuff, but no, I had zero interaction. Uh, the happy hour podcast says with Bam Bam and LT headlining, wouldn't you think that Bam Bam would have gotten a much deserved main event spot afterwards? That dude carried LT through that, like a champ. I don't have any reason why he couldn't have been a main eventer to begin with all around great talent. You and I are both big Bam Bam Bigelow fans. Were you surprised they didn't do more with him after that? Here's why I know, uh, no, I wasn't, um, just my upbringing that and this was impressed upon from Lawler and my dad mainly. It's kind of irrelevant what you do bell to bell. If yeah. you can't talk them in the building, Austin Ida was there last night. I got to share a little couple of uh, podcast stories and conversations. But, you know, Idol, to me as a kid, him and Fargo were the guys. Of course, Lawler, they could talk them in the building. That's what really mattered. Bam Bam never really cut, uh, never got in the groove of cutting a promo. 
Uh, Matt says, uh, did Jeff prefer his rumble match with razor or this one? Ooh, good question. I mean, on the one hand you win at rumble and you win the IC title, but on the other hand, you retained by DQ. Maybe the finish isn't as rewarding, but it's wrestle freaking mania. I'd have to tip my cat to the mania one. And the reason why I don't think people gave me and Rody a snowball's chance in hell at rumble. So it was a shocking finish. Oh my God. He went over. Yeah. This is just, you know, at mania, I'm walking in the champ and then to walk out the champ with that reaction and the, the, the kid and, and, and road dog around it. I like the mania match better. Uh, here's another question from Matt. He had two really good ones. How did Jeff feel about more than usual photographers at ringside? It seems like it really bugs Sean later in the night. There was a lot of celebrity interaction. And as a result, tons of press credentials issued. It even felt like it straight up pissed off. Sean, do you remember that being an issue for you? Well, not for me. Um, I can remember the agents and the discussion and there are going to be a lot of photographers out there. And I know that they're from an aesthetic point of view, they were I'm just like, why are you going to let them out there? Well, it looks good on TV. They're covering an event. It's like a sporting event. It's like a boxing, you know, you see Hagler and Hearns and there's 50 people around ringside, all snapping up photos. It gives it that big fight feel. Well, Sean's point was we're not boxing folks. I'm going outside the ring. I don't know what corner I'm going to come out of. It just is a different era. So there was two sides to that discussion. Well, I'm not really sure how we end today's episode. Um, I know we talked a lot about Scott Hall at the top, and I know we're going to talk about Lance Russell next week. I do want to mention something else though, that, that I feel like we, we should, I don't know, celebrate a little bit. You and I, and, and, and a lot of the guys we do podcasts with, we got together and we made the decision to really push and promote something that is near and dear to all of us, St. Jude's children's hospital. And we've decided to donate 100%. And I mean, every nickel of the proceeds from our t-shirt sales this year, directly to St. Jude's. You can see these shirts at adfreecares.com. That's going to take you directly to pro wrestling tees. So it's pro wrestling forward slash ad free cares, or just go to adfreecares.com. You'll see all the great shirts that we've talked about here. In this last year or so with uh, my world with Jeff Jarrett, we've lowered the price on all the shirts. All the shirts are cheaper than ever 1799, but 100% of the proceeds. And I mean, every bit of it goes directly to St. Jude's. This is something that's near and dear to both you and I, and, uh, we've both got uh, a history of, of working with St. Jude's, but this is pretty cool, man. Now, not only do our listeners get a really cool shirt and get to support their favorite podcast. But it all goes to a tremendous cause, St. Jude's. How cool is this, man? Conrad, this is kind of, whether it's my OCD or just how my brain, I'll never forget. Uh, you know, in the evenings, um, when I'm not on the road, I go out walking around here, right? Yep. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm on my walk, and a little Conrad Thompson comes up on my phone. And I go, okay, a little late in the day. He wants some. Hey, and Conrad, when you started sort of rolling out, Hey, what do you, and I just, before you could finish in my mind, I'm going. And so folks hats off to Conrad. Um, I, I, the mailbox that I was, the house and mailbox that I was walking by when you finally shut up, finally, I said, he, could you go, well, what do you think? And I'm like, 
Absolutely. I think it's fantastic. I think um, it's something that I have radically changed in my life that give, 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 give. And so uh, I encourage anybody, um, hell, get a shirt that knocks me. Uh, Jeff doesn't like the Sopranos, but he likes stuff. I don't care. No, but it's, it's really Conrad hats off to the entire team and Eric and that group text. And Hey, what's everybody think we're, 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 we have talked to everybody and there was a group text and just want to make sure this is where, you know, everybody chimed in. Yes, Conrad, we're all for it. And you'd already asked us, but you guys were making sure that we were going through this one more time. This is the decision we're making folks, all proceeds. And we all unanimously said yeah let's do it we really hope you take check it out first of all yep. we'd appreciate if you were sporting a show or sporting a shirt around you know in public or at a wrestling event or whatever or just around the house or on the lake or what have you to the gym that has our podcast logo hey man that's cool but at the same time how cool is it to know that 100 percent of the proceeds nothing goes to jeff nothing goes to conrad every nickel goes directly to st jude's it's a shirt that you can feel good about wearing and hope oh, it's also cheaper than everything we've ever sold before. It's adfreecares.com. That's adfreecares.com. It's taking directly to pro wrestling tees. 100% goes directly to St. Jude's and we're glad to have the association. And I, and I want to mention we're doing, uh, some fun stuff over at adfreeshows.com right now. We just recently had a little special moment, if you will, to celebrate WrestleMania 18. The rock and Hulk Hogan created magic that night. The third man in the ring was Mr. Mike Kyoto. The guy who wrote the lyrics to the beautiful music that those guys made was Mr. Jim Ross, Jim Ross and Mike Kyoto watched that match, celebrated that match, broke it down, shared some inside baseball, some behind the scenes stories they've never told before. It's all available at adfreeshows.com. And, uh, coming up later this week with Jr. we'll be talking about WrestleMania 13. It's WrestleMania season. Everybody's talking about WrestleMania right now, Jeff. And I think we're probably going to do a little more of that with ad free shows as we get ready for you and I to head out to Dallas and do our thing at Gilly super show live.com, Jeff Hardy, Eric Bischoff, William Regal, Jeff Jarrett, and myself all on stage. The, the pre-show meet and greet, the happy hour, if you will, is the place to be. I'm looking forward to being in Dallas and I'm looking forward next week, Jeff, to talk about Lance Russell. I know that was the plan today, but I felt like with everything happening with Scott Hall today was a, a worthwhile pivot. For sure. I can't, I got to watch the JR Kyoto. Kyoto. I got to watch that, but no. Uh, and you know, you just rolled out Hardy and Regal pal. We have another surprise and maybe another one and maybe another one. No Friday first. Don't be a fool. We're going to have a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of fun and Cassio is he coming? Oh yeah. Cassio will be there. Good. I'm going to smack this shit up. No kidding. Looking no. forward to it. Boys and girls, get your tickets, make it happen. Supershowlive.com. April 1st will be here before you know it. And next week, man, me and you Lance Russell right here on my world. Peace. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.